five, four, three, two, one. best about this party year the march madness doesn't just revolve around college basketball and i love it nfl free agency beginning it's gonna be chaotic next week you've got selection sunday coming up for those listening live on this saturday edition of sports day with peter j that's tomorrow march 12th that's gonna be chaotic plus if you're a golf fan You've got everything taking place at Sawgrass. They're in a weather delay out there. Or they just recently resumed because they got rained out on Friday's round. It's a perfect storm. No pun intended. If you're a sports fan. Glad to have you along for the ride this Saturday, March 11th. A little bit after 11 a.m. on the East Coast. I'm your host, Peter J. Mulroy. This is the latest edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Those who continue to listen live uh, each and every Saturday on Podbean. Thank you. A million times over, thank you. And those who follow us on Podbean Post Live, Samsung, Spotify, and iHeartRadio, among others. Uh, it's been great, and it's good to be back here with you this weekend. So obviously, there is tons to talk about. And really what's going to happen tomorrow, we'll get into tons of college hoops uh, in the back end of the broadcast because there's so much going on today. Um, Really, everything you've been focusing around, if you're, let's say you're an all-sport fan, right? you know what's going on in the world. Spring training is underway, well underway. You got the World Baseball Classic going on, NFL free agency going on. Uh, the, the biggest news, actually, in the NFL came out last night that the Chicago Bears ticketed their first-round draft pick and traded it over to Carolina in a major swap that's going to take Carolina's really young and good uh, wide receiver DJ Moore, amongst other moves, and sent him to Chicago. Now that gives Chicago a pretty loaded offense because now you know Chicago is all in on Justin Fields. And people are going to have varying opinions about that. But the way Fields played toward the, the second half of the season on a, on a horrendous Chicago team. I mean, a historically bad Chicago Bear team last year. Uh, gives... Bears fans a little bit of a, of a more concrete direction now. All right, Like it or lump it, he's your guy. 
you you've made some moves heading into April's draft. No longer in uh in, in control of that that top pick, but necessary moves at the betterment of the franchise. So that was the biggest, and that wasn't just a Friday news dump. I mean, that was a month away from the NFL draft, a month plus away from the NFL draft, and that comes out. That's big time. That's big news. And we'll definitely, definitely be tracking all of the news, starting with what happened with the New York Giants. And you heard the highlights in the opening. Daniel Jones locked up. Saquon Barkley locked up. And you talk about having opinions in sports. That's why they call us fanatics, right? But if you look at, essentially, the Daniel Jones contract outside of it just being four years, $160 million, right? We know Derek Carr got his four-year, $150 million deal uh, with the Saints prior to this. That had no impact on how the Giants were going to handle the proceedings with Jones. Carr's at a different stage of his career, right? He's 32 years old. Jones is going to be 26. You could make the argument that that was a sort of a desperation contract there for New Orleans. But at least they get a veteran who's got the acumen of being able to light up the scoreboard when all is going well. So I don't think the Giants have had taken anything to heart with that Derek Carr contract. But it seemed to me that so many people were upset with the Daniel Jones contract because of the monetary figures of it. Well, it's four years, 160 mil. Guy threw 15 touchdown passes and he's getting 40 million a year. Okay, on the surface, I'm with you. I might be able to kind of see and understand what your gripe might be. But then you take a look at the numbers of this contract. And let's just go beyond the... And oh, by the way, Giants got their quarterback. So in a, it, with the team going in a different direction, coming off a postseason that nobody saw coming, where they win a playoff game on the road, and their quarterback was the reason they won that game, and the running back, which they franchise tag, and now they're working toward uh, getting to a long-term deal. This stability in this organization... So I, I could understand the the aspect of, wow, this is a, $40 million for a guy who threw 15 touchdown passes. All right. Break down the contract. Take a look at this contract and tell me that Joe Shane, the GM of the New York Giants, doesn't know what he's doing. What you get with this contract, for starters, is that it's a team-friendly deal. Daniel Jones is going to win in year one and two of this contract because he's going to cash in on 82 million bucks of guaranteed money. That's his. Lock it up. That's his. And why that is significant for Daniel Jones is because that figure is north of the 70 or 71 mil he would have gotten if he was tagged the past two years. Check in the box for number eight. That's a W. Plus, if he plays well, the Giants can lock him up even more long term or if he gets through even a couple of years or at 30 when the contract is up and he decides to go a different direction, he's going to hit free agency again in his prime. He's 26 now. If he plays out the four-year deal and decides he wants to go elsewhere or he plays out the four-year deal, plays really well, Giants playoffs, 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 he's racking it up. God willing, they win a title. Giants are going to pay him again. So he's going to hit free agency again in four years when he's 30. 
He's banking 82 mil the first two years of the deal. That's good for Daniel Jones. Well, Pete, how is it good for the Giants? How is it a team-friendly deal? Here's how. From a flex standpoint, there's a team opt-out after two years. The dead cap hit, 18 million bucks. For a starting quarterback in this league who just took a team to the playoffs and won a game on the road, that is not bad at all. No money in year four of this contract is guaranteed for Jones. So what that essentially means is that this contract could amount to a two or three year deal if it doesn't play out the way Sean and Dable, who I feel really loves this kid, believe it will. And in the immediacy of this contract, this year's cap hit of 19 million bucks gives the Giants plenty of room to take care of business this offseason. I understand the reaction and the overreaction to the money up front. Four years, 160 million bucks. Ah, 15 touchdown passes. I mean, go back. I mean, we, we could do this all day long. Defend Jones, rag on Jones. The bottom line is, through all the crap he's been through, all the different coaches, nonsense wide receivers, some receivers that you just quite honestly can't throw open, right? You're not throwing David Sills open. In many instances, it was hard to throw Richie James and Darius Slayton open. Go back to that Redskins game, the one that ended in a tie. How many drop passes he had in that game. We could do this all day long. He's here. The Giants like what they saw from a dual threat perspective. And Joe Shane worked it out that the Giants will not have egg on their face if it backfires. Which as a lifelong Giant fan and someone who likes to think he knows football, this isn't going to backfire. With the wiggle room you have and some draft capital that you now have, Go out and get this kid a damn legitimate receiver. You want to re-sign Slayton? That's fine. You want to bring back Richie James? That's fine. The Hodgins kid looked pretty good. But in this day and age, where it's a passing game, you can't give your quarterback a contract like this and not think that you're not going to back him up. I don't know if it's a DeAndre Hopkins. You go through the, the draft. This kid, Zay Flowers from Boston College, is an absolute maniac. I watched many of his games during the college season. There's going to be opportunity to get it done. Then maybe it's a tight end. Maybe it's somebody like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. That makes sense. Weaponry in a passing league. The Giants haven't done it. Step one is done with Jones. He was the priority. The priority was not Saquon Barkley. And I love him. Quite honestly, I don't know how you could be a football fan and not like Saquon Barkley, but he's a running back. Outside of Christian McCaffrey, and I say maybe because he's the best running back in football, you don't throw the world at these guys anymore. And I don't care about Saquon's injury past. I could care less about that because it didn't factor last year in a 1,300-plus yard season where he scored two, 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 two times in the Viking playoff game. I could care less about that. Aaron Judge has a hit injury history. You can tell the Yankees they weren't going to pay him. It's asinine. What I care about is giving these long-term monster deals to running backs, and then that backfires. So now the Giants did this perfectly. You get your quarterback, you lock him up for four years, you can get out of you can get out of Dodge in two if it backfires. Now you franchise Barkley. I think it was 10, 10 and a half million. That's the figure. And immediately, Joe Shane comes right out 
Here's my priorities before I even hit free agency. I'm working on extensions for Saquon and Dexter Lawrence. Duh. And the duh aspect wasn't something the Giants were always very good at. They made the, the, the real simple things looked impossible because they had incompetence. You don't have that anymore. Giants got their quarterback. They'll work on these extensions. They can work out this long-term deal with Barkley until July 17th. And if they're able to extend them, and here's the beauty of this. If you can extend them with a signing bonus, you give yourself even more cap space. It's beautiful. And I love the quote from Shane earlier in the week. The Giants are not shopping for minimum players anymore. You're sitting at that dais with all the higher-ups in the organization now looking at guys on the bargain bin. Now, you don't have to just go to ShopRite because it's the can-can sale. You could go whenever you want now. There's no more minimum nonsense here. This is a legitimate franchise that is going places because they have people who have brains that function between their, brain, between their mind. It hasn't been that way in many, many years. And you, you, you look at some of the free agents, the Giants are going to have the opportunity to, to re-sign. Julian Love, the safety, he's probably a priority. John Feliciano and Nick Gates, linebacker uh, Jihad Ward. They're going to need a new punter. Jamie Gillen's a free agent. Let him go. Richie James, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, that's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. But the bottom line with this, that contract, that job by Joe Shane with Daniel Jones, and then to come out and slap the tag on Barkley and then immediately say, we're working on that extension, that's what you want. That's absolutely what you want. You're a Giant fan. If you, if you approach this and strictly look at these numbers now, the way this contract is, basically a three-year deal. You can get out of there in two. It's a maximum of four. It's basically a three-year deal worth about 113 mil. You're putting your head on your pillow at night saying, we've, we've got the franchise back. We've got the franchise back. Clowns aren't running the show any longer. And it feels good. And I'll tell you another thing that might feel good as a New York sports fan, because I wanted to talk about, at least on the, on the cusp of free agency, some of the things that were going on in the National Football League, obviously mentioning Carolina now in control of the top pick in the draft and then going over what the Giants did. How about across the, the other side of that stadium with what's happening in Jetville? I mean, you keep getting all this messaging about, hey, Rodgers to the Jets is a done deal. Or it's going to happen. They agreed on terms. I'm sure they have agreed on terms. But how many times can you say the same thing before people, specifically Jet fans, say, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. I can't pay attention to this because all it is doing is giving me anxiety, agita, and it's breaking my heart. Do I think Aaron Rodgers is going to wind up with the Jets? Yeah. You know, as I teased my show during the week, uh, on social media, match made in heaven or hell. It's a match made in heaven on the field. The only problem is now Aaron Rodgers has got to go work under Woody Johnson, who is, is just, I don't know how people take this man seriously. No, Woody Johnson wants stars. Well, what the hell has he been doing the last decade? 
The biggest names you brought in is freaking Bart Scott. Talk about overrated football players. Now you got a chance to go get Aaron Rodgers, 39 years old. You could probably get him on a two-year deal. Now, the thing with Rodgers is where the money is completely different from what the Giants were just looking at with Daniel Jones. As you start to read and hear that they're nearing the deal for this four-time MVP, uh, you know what it's going to take if you're in that room. The thing where the money aspect impacts the Jets immediately is that Rodgers is guaranteed to make 59.5 mil this season. 58 of that come via an option bonus, but it's still 59.5. I mean, that's an exorbitant amount of money. What is good for the Jets immediately, similar to this year for the Giants with Jones, if Rodgers does get traded to the Jets today, tomorrow, whenever, his cap hit against the team this year would only be a shade over, fifty. I think, $15.8 million, which isn't bad at all, if you think about it. Because if, if you're of the mindset that with the, with the roster the Jets have, you would assume a healthy Brees Hall coming back, a good young wide receiver course, some veteran tight ends, cleaning up the offensive line, that an Aaron Rodgers, I mean, does he make the Jets a Super Bowl contender? I, I, that might be a little insane. But to not make this move for the Jets, where you know what the finances entail, you know what the cap hit against you is going to be this year, and your illustrious owner is in love with stars, including himself, how do you not get this done? And 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 what really makes me laugh, and I guess I'm guilty too because I'm doing it now, because it, it, I, I guess to, to an extent it, it, it's obviously relevant, but... You seem like you're getting no new news in the sports media world. So I'm just going to come out and say, give you my opinion. Yeah, I think it's going to happen. We'll wait and see. I think it's going to happen. Here's the money. Here's the impact it's going to have. You're going to have draft picks. You might have other bodies going with you. But I think it's going to happen. Our buddy Joe Jett is uh, with us. Uh, Joe, what's up, pal? I, I'm more than certain you have a your fair share of opinions on this. Do you think so, Peter? Do you think I have a few things to say about this? What's up, man? How are you? Uh, great, man. Long time no speak. How you been? Good. Uh, nobody's golfing up here in the Northeast, by the way. So, listen, we're going to talk a little bit about sawgrass down in Florida. They were getting pounded last night. Nobody's golfing up here this weekend. <laughs> you, you got that right. They're actually on the courts now. They're practicing, getting ready to restart or whatever's going on around here. I don't know. So, uh, we'll talk So, about what's that. going on? What? What? First, let me ask you this. What do you think of the uh, the the, uh, the mindset of the or the Giants' approach with Jones and Barkley? Absolutely. Great move, great move by the Giants signing Daniel Jones. Uh, had to be done, like you said. Look, this guy took the team to the playoffs with not too much. Went on the road, won the playoff game. Look, he's the leader of that football team. You know, he's gonna be your guy. They had to do it. Did they overpay? You know what? Again, we could go back and forth, like you said earlier, but definitely the right move. And I, like you said, I think you're very happy about it. Yeah, I mean, the market gets set at those, at those numbers, too. You hear the things, well, it's, you know, it's a guy who threw 15 touchdowns, this, that, and the other thing. Look, the bottom line is, when you think about who, what other quarterbacks you would have outside of going the route of the draft, which might might have been a mini rebuild coming off a playoff season, 
there's not much available. I, I, it doesn't seem like too many people are in love with Lamar Jackson. So I think the Giants did everything right. There is no doubt about it. And since you were talking, I just want to go over, since you were talking about what the Panthers got the number one pick and everything like that, it is a terrible move by Carolina, in my point, what they did. And I'll tell you why. I, Me personally, I am not in love with whoever they take. With I don't love C.J. Stroud. I don't love Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, whoever they th- You know what? They should have got a bridge quarterback for a year or two until somebody worth going down to get that number one pick, in my opinion, was available. Well, and, and I and I think that's that's going to be the sense there for many people. But I think if from Carolina's perspective, at least probably in their front office, they see something that they clearly like. And Chicago, moving on from that first round pick, from that number one overall pick, lends itself to believe that, they're going to go with Fields for the foreseeable future. Oh, absolutely. You know, and they got the receiver, correct, from Carolina? That yep, came, DJ Moore. Right, DJ Moore was part of the deal. They, it was a thumbs up for the Bears, thumbs down for the Panthers. Just my opinion. We'll see how it all turns out. Now, I know you've been, <laughs> you've been waiting for this. Yes. The Rodgers-Jets potential marriage. Right. At this stage of the game, with everything we've heard, and a lot of the things that we've been hearing is just white noise. It's the same stuff getting regurgitated. And a lot of these people aren't talking about the numbers that are involved. So there they are. It's not going to be a bad cap hit for the Jets this year if the trade gets done, depending what they give up. And here's the other thing. Aaron Rodgers, just because the Jets and the Packers agree to this, he's got to be on board. But if he is, to me, from a Jets perspective, there's no excuse imaginable to not allow this to happen. Oh, no, Peter, it's 100% happening. The day they signed Nathaniel Hackett as the coordinator was all in on Aaron Rodgers. And the greatest news that this Jet fan got when I heard that Derek Carr signed, uh, good, I did not want him. I don't want him. He's a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. but. I don't think he was the guy to take us where we need to go, such as in Aaron Rodgers. I am all in on Rodgers. I always was. And they flew out there the other night without me on the plane, by the way, which I'm very (laughs) upset. I will send Woody an email why I wasn't on this plane to go meet Rodgers. So they flew out there to go over whatever it is they went over. How long, Basically, probably, is he going to give us two years, three years, two with a third-year option? I would be giddy over. And uh, he will be here probably tomorrow or the next day, make the announcement that he's got to be a Jet. Yeah, I, listen, I, I, I think it's a good match. I think with some of the young talent that the Jets have at 39 years old, Rogers banged up last year. Uh, with a with an, the index finger on his throwing hand, yeah, that's about the worst thing you can have um, from a from a mechanical standpoint as a quarterback. And he still played fairly well. It, plus, it's just time for him to get out of Green Bay. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. You're, I would assume, unless the you know what hits the fan, and with the Jets, that cannot totally be dismissed. That this is going to happen um, in the coming days. So. I, for, for your perspective, Joe, as a Jet fan, I know Jet Nation has been waiting for something like this. It didn't amount to all that much other than excitement when it was Brett Favre. I think this is a little different. 
Oh, 100%, Peter. I mean, you know, this guy two years ago was MVP of the league, 40 touchdown passes. There, He is a top five quarterback. This 39, I'm tired of hearing about this 39-year-old thing. We know age now. These the guys that are 39, they're like 32 now. This guy still can run with the ball. He's deadly accurate, and he scores touchdowns. The New York Jets last year had five games, Peter, without an offensive touchdown. That is sickening. It has to stop. We have Brees Hall coming back. They got Garrett Wilson on one side. Rumors of Lazard from Green Bay possibly coming to the Jets. Who knows? And as you saw already, they're already cutting contracts. They let Berrios yeah. go. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlinson took a pay cut now. They're restructuring all of this. You know, this is in the works. And I love what the Jets are doing. At least they're involved and saying that they want to win and make a push at at least winning the division, getting a home playoff game, you know, which we haven't had in 21 years. You know, so they're, they're, they're doing what they need to do as an organization. Yeah, I mean, with with the young talent that's going to surround him uh, and that improved O line, uh, I, I think you get this done. You 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 take a different mindset um, moving forward, definitely as a Jet fan. Uh, but Joe, just quick before I, 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 I we let you go, I know you uh, you you had a few points you wanted to make there about the Rangers who look like they're skating in mud the last couple of days, um, and then everything that's taken place uh, at Sawgrass with this interesting tournament uh, to this point. So uh, the floor is yours, pal. Uh, uh, Hit us with what you got. Uh, Before we talk about the current ranges, one minute, Uh, a few weeks back, me and my good friend, Jimmy Ferrari, we went to a ranges viewing party and the special guest was the great Ron Greshner. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you what a great guy, Peter. He talked to everyone there. He talked to me and Jimmy about the 79 cup finals. He signed for everybody. So kudos to Ron Greshner. I hope he's listening to your show, but what a great guy. And I wish him all the best uh, going forward. Uh, As far as the current ranges. Wow. I am highly upset with this, with this hockey team. I mean, I see a bunch of all-stars out there. We can go down the list of the great names on this team. I don't even have to mention Zibanejad and now Patrick Kane's involved and, you know, Tarasenko. And it looks like ice capades out there. What, what What is this team? Can they get aggressive? Watch the Bruins, who beat up the Rangers last week, by the way, how they play night in and night out. That's how I want my hockey team to play. So right now, I'm very upset with them. I'm hoping they can turn it around. And, you know, I know there's games to be played, and we'll see We'll see what happens going forward. Yeah, I, I think if, just referencing that Boston game, I mean, I, I've said it the last couple of weeks, that's going to be a tough sell for anybody to beat that team in the postseason. I mean, with the veterans that they have there, just the way that they're playing collectively on all four of their lines, it, 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 it's really uh, a sight to behold. But when you look at the, the, the rollout of these Ranger lines and then – see how they've been playing lately. Lafreniere, Hedl, Kako, Panarin, Trocek. Now they're with Kane. Kreider, Zibanejad in the middle with Tarasenko to his right. And then the fourth line, VZ, Goudreau, and Mott, that's all well and good. But to make this happen with the Kane acquisition, which is which I, I, I agreed with, it, it, you want to have stars. The Rangers wouldn't have done this with 20, 21 games left in the season if they didn't think these guys could mesh. 
where it hit them the most was defensively because you had injuries there. You had the, the, the suspension uh, coming off with Miller in the infancy of that deal to begin with. It was problematic for the Rangers to go out with guys like Ben Harbour, Braden Schneider, and Jacob Trouba playing 23 minutes a game, which in today's day and age is almost unheard of. Totally agree, Peter. Also, Ryan Lingren being out it definitely hurts that team defensively. Oh, and huge. They, yeah, it's huge. You know, this has been the story with this Ranger team for the past however far back you want to go. 10, 15, they don't play aggressive defense. Yes, they can score goals. When they get, when those sticks get hot, they could pump in six a night, five a night. But what happens when they go cold? They let teams come right down into their zone. And this is what hurt them in the conference finals. This is what hurts them in the playoffs that they got to go seven games every, every, uh, you know, round they go to until they start playing defense. I don't know what to expect from this team. Well, I mean, as constituted, it's on on paper, it's a championship-looking team. But the way they played lately uh, has left a lot to be desired. Um, and, and we'll have to see what the upcoming schedule is not easy. And they're going to have to get healthy ahead of this postseason, uh, currently rocking third uh, in the Metropolitan Division. I, I got the, the phone lines backed up, Joe. Who's going to win at Sawgrass? Well, I picked him from the beginning, and I said Scheffler. He's in second round. You know, you got to love this. This guy's great. Scheffler, he, I think he's two back right now. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Joseph, I love you. Thanks again, pal. Listen, Ed, Ed, you're going to be the first person I reach out to when the Jets, because I, I do think it's a when, when the Jets make that trade for Aaron Rodgers. I'll be ready. Take care, Peter. All right, brother. That is uh, my buddy and a big fan of the show, Joe Jett uh, calling in. Perfect timing right at 1130 here on this weekend's edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Again, thank you for hopping aboard this Saturday, March 11th. Tomorrow, for those listening live, Selection Sunday, one of the greatest days of the year. We're going to get into plenty of college hoops uh, later in the program. We're going to talk some Knicks as well. Knicks and NBA. Bucks continue to roll. Nick fans, this is why we can't have nice things with everything that's going on with Jalen Brunson now. A re-injury, which is the worst type of injury um, that you could have. Uh, to his left foot. Uh, so we'll get into that. But it, but as far as everything Joe said, yeah, it's right. The deal with Rodgers is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, and I, I think you look at that and, and you feel pretty confident, uh, not necessarily confident uh, that the Jets won't botch this or confidence in Woody Johnson because he's basically given you every reason to be the opposite of confident in him over the years. Uh, but this is a move, uh, this match made in heaven, at a good time for a Jets organization that, despite what many think about the head coach, the offensive line, this team is trekking in the right direction coming off a seven-win season. Uh, that doesn't seem like a lot, but the way the Jets had played um, in recent time, there was a lot that you liked, and there will be a lot that you like moving forward, which would probably be for two years when Aaron Rodgers is under center um, Sundays at MetLife Stadium. And we have spoken in great depth about the NFL. And it's only going to get more and more once free agency officially opens March 15th.
make sure to follow us on Twitter. Sports Today with Peter J. Yeah, and I think one of the, the best things, of course, you can you can follow us on, on Twitter at any time is the idea that, yeah, I script out what I want to talk about each and every week. I have an order, especially with spring training going on, that I'm going to get into. But then I get calls like this guy. Vin's on the line. Vinny, what's up? I'm sure you, like Joe Jett, you got a lot to say as well. What's up, pal? What's going on, Pete? How are you? Good, man. I'm doing great. This I, I love this time of year, man. I love the crossover with baseball underway. Hockey and basketball approaching the postseason, NFL free agency, and then March Madness for college basketball. It truly is March Madness. Yes. But it's not just about basketball. I love it. It's great. What's up? Uh, uh, One thing about hockey before I get to the Jets and Giants, uh, the NHL needs to go to the Olympic-sized rink. This rink is too small. The play is too big, too fast, too much neutral ice play. Everybody's on top of each other. There's no flow. There's no breakouts no more. They got to go to that rink. It's it's almost 15 feet wider, same length, but there's so much more room. And it just, I mean, the game is so tight. I was a hockey player for 35 years. I can't even watch it anymore. It just, it's 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 terrible. Well, I would tell you to to reach out to Gary Bettman, but you got zero shot of getting an answer. So, <laughs> the, no, I know. I got as much shot of getting that answer. I got as much shot as getting that answer as Joe Jett has getting on that plane. A uh, better shot of Joe Jett getting on the plane. Okay. All right. So, v- v- Vinny, let me ask you, uh, okay. because now we are just, you know, 72 hours or whatever it might be away from a free agency officially opening up, and everybody knows those first couple of hours is chaotic. This isn't a free agent acquisition here with Aaron Rodgers. Some people forget that. There's money involved. It would have to be an agreed-upon trade. Yes. But your thoughts on this or what? Well, Green Bay just, if you heard their GM last night, they just bid him farewell. They say he had a great career here. We'll put him in our Hall of Fame. He's out of there. He's coming to the Jets. But this, to me, is a disaster waiting to happen. It just, it really is. First of all, Joe Jett, Brees Hall's not going to be back till November, December. He had a torn ACL. He won't be ready. He won't be right the whole next year, just like Saquon. Number two is, I mean, you're bringing in a 40-year-old guy who doesn't have the desire. He Did anybody watch him play last year? He didn't want to be out there last year. Well, I mean, he had the index finger on a throwing hand. That's problematic. Uh, all, I mean, that all, is a legitimate all, injury. Yeah, but all quarterbacks deal with injuries all year long. I, I just don't I don't see this fit. You know, you got – first of all, you got the worst head coach in football. That's number one. Then you got Nathaniel Hackett. He called the plays for Denver last year up until yeah. November. They proceeded over the worst offense in football. Okay? He had to give away play calling duties to Clint Kubiak in November because it got so bad over there. Okay? I, I just don't see. And another thing, you said they're on the way up. How are they on the way up? They lost their last six games last year, went one and seven. They're scrambling to do something. Salah fired LaFleur. Used him as a scapegoat. You know, he's the one who should have got fired. Sean Payton would have came to the Jets in a heartbeat. He settled for Denver. He wanted to go to San Diego. The Jets were his second. The Jets were his second choice. He was. He would have came to the Jets in a heartbeat. He didn't want to go to Denver. He would have been here in a heartbeat. I mean, they are just not going nowhere with Robert Salah. They just. I just imagine Aaron Rodgers coming over in the fourth quarter talking to Robert Salah about a play. 
knows nothing about offense. The guy's the guy's useless on the sidelines. You know, I just I I I, I don't I don't know what the hell they're doing. I would go after a younger guy. If they don't want to go with Zach Wilson, go after a younger guy. Go to Baker Mayfield. The guy showed he could still play on that Monday night that he came off the plane. The guy was unbelievable. I, I just don't think the Rodgers thing's going to work out. Anyway, I just don't think it's going to work out. I, I The overwhelming majority, Vin, of people are going to disagree with you, but I'm sure that there are people that are saying the same thing. Age, the way he played last year, uh, he did have you know the – the throwing hand injury, all problematic things. But again, it for Rogers, he it's it's time to get out of Green Bay. Keith, he's gonna be here one he's gonna be here one year, two years tops. The Jets are not winning a Super Bowl in that that time frame. You gotta get a quarterback that's gonna be with you for the next ten years, like all these other top teams are going. It's a band-aid. It's a band-aid move. Jets are nowhere close. They, their schedule is brutal next year. They got KC, Philly, the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Giants, on top of Buffalo twice, Miami twice, and New England twice. twice. They're going to be lucky to win six, seven games again next year. You got to get a quarterback who's going to be here. Rodgers, 95% is going to only be here one year. You know, only going to be here one year. He's not coming back for a second year at 41 years old. And just another thing on the Giants, sure. you, made a, you made a great point on the Giants. That was a great move. That was a smart move for Daniel Jones, smart move for the Giants. It's two years, $40 million. He plays good. He gets another big contract. Yeah, well, he if, if it plays out four years and he either re-ups with the Giants or he decides he wants to go elsewhere, which generally doesn't happen, yeah. he's hitting free agency again at the age of 30, which yeah. is a win for him. Yes. <clears throat> and it's a win for the Giants to be able to get out of it at two, even three years, and not and none of that year four money is guaranteed. I think on all parties it was great because Barkley wasn't the priority. Now it gives the Giants the ability to yeah. re-up him and extend him, which they wanted to do. Yeah. Um, got to get receivers. They need receivers. They need receivers. Yeah, that's the bottom line, and, they, and they'll, they, and they'll they, handle that. They should have got Garrett Wilson last year instead of Evan Neal. They would have had Garrett Wilson. They could have They could have had Garrett Wilson also. Or the other guy from New Orleans. What's his name? The other Ohio State receiver? Oh, uh, the veteran, Michael Michael Thomas. Oh, Olave. Oh, uh, yes, Chris Olave. They could have had him and said they picked that freaking Evan. Hey, listen, (laughs) they're going to have their pick of Ohio State wide receivers that are coming out of the draft this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba coming off an injury is going to be a widely pursued target um, in April's draft. And even though he missed most of last year, you're still looking at probably being – uh, a first round pick, but uh, Vin, before I let you go, and I, and I know you're one of the biggest fans of the show. You call in uh, religiously. I'm a little fearful for you right now. It, it sounds like you're calling me while you're standing in traffic. Where are you? I just got back from a COVID test. I got to get kidney stones blasted Tuesday. I got got surgery Tuesday. Oh, you know yeah. that's. So I'm driving on Highland Boulevard back to the South Shore. All right. Be careful, please. Okay, just mark my words. The Aaron Rodgers thing is going to be a disaster. Uh, uh, Noted. Vinny, I love you. Thank you for the call, brother. And good luck with the surgery Tuesday. Thank you, buddy. Bye. All right. Thanks, dude. Um, So, look, we we get the loyalists that call it every week. Uh, The the passion is great. Uh, You got to love it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, again, talking about all of these things, and and ESPN's doing a, a great or not so great job just beating a dead horse. Let this play out. It's going to happen. 
my my problem with ESPN is they never give you the figures that well well this is going to happen this is agreed upon this guy's going to go here this guy may make the move there they never give you any of like the the intricacies that you need or the actual information that allows you to formulate an opinion it's all well this report says that report says this is going to happen well Woody Johnson said this they're flying here they're flying this guy there it's the same they've been doing it for seven days and the people continue to watch at least I mean I'm talking about it but if I could pat myself on the shoulder at least I give you some freaking information man ESPN and and those Disney people drive me up a freaking wall um with that in mind uh our uh other buddy mike is on the line i I think mike's with us mike you there yeah i'm here you hear me what's going on mike how are you thanks for calling in what's up uh just called in i agree with everything you said about the giants and i was glad that they only guaranteed half half the 80 million which isn't you know it's a lot of money but they can live with that but i think he's going to be fine he needs weapons and they i think they're paying him on his potential that's what this contract says because and it and it i don't think it's in my opinion i don't want to say well the giants put the two-year clause in there where they can just scrap this to say hey you know we don't fully trust you this is the giants protecting an investment on their end because the franchise has been some such a dumpster fire until last year for the last six seven years that they have to do things like this they can't get burned again they could not have gone through the draft again if jones walked or they let him walk coming off a 10-win season that included a playoff win and sell to the fan base that it is not a rebuild. It would not have worked. It would not have been monetarily uh, gainful for the Giants to have done something like that. This with Daniel Jones is, and it lets Jones know that you're our guy. That's right. And it took, you know, he had his struggles the first few years, but the coaching staff they had in those years weren't the greatest either. And uh, oh, I, No, they weren't. No, and I think I think he he kind of won me over. I wasn't a big Jones fan the first couple of years, but he really won me over last year. With without tremendous weapons, he moved this team pretty darn good. Yeah, did what he had to do with the yeah. limited resources that he had. A better O line, not a great one, uh, and a lot of drop passes. Yeah. So a- I mean, if, if he's not a mobile quarterback, Giants aren't in the playoffs last year. That's right. You're absolutely right. And uh, I like to see them get a couple of wide receivers in the draft. Yeah. I, and I, that I like. They'll, they'll track in that direction. I think they'll be looking at tight end. Uh, I know they like Bellinger, but there could be an upgrade there to go alongside him. A lot of teams are rolling out two tight ends as it is. Right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which, which route they go. And this is a good wide receiver draft on all levels, not just the first two rounds. And I think if if a couple of the top wide receivers that they like are gone, they might they might take the tight end for Notre Dame. I don't think it's out of the question, assuming he's still there when they pick later. Yeah, yeah. I know there's a wide receiver coming out of TCU. I think it is six for four wide receivers. Name escapes me. Yeah, they, uh, I mean you, you got um, who I like is the kids a flowers from Boston College. Speed, good hands. Um, this is a good draft to, to be wide receiver needy, which let's be honest, most all teams in the league are always wide receiver needy. You can never yeah. have too much weaponry, uh, but the Giants are in dire need of it now. Yeah. Flowers is a good weapon because he can sting you deep, and that opens a lot of things up. Hopefully yes. they get him. 
Yeah, no, I and I and as we continue to go through uh, with April's draft approaching, we're definitely going to have that uh, uh, on the top of mind here uh, on the show. Right. But, uh, Mike, I know you caught, last time you called you we spoke about the Rangers. You got to be fit to be tied the way this team is playing lately. Yeah, they're they're, anno- they're annoying me. You know, they got they got two big st- stars, and you know, even with uh, with Kane, typical Ranger move. Picking, making a trade for a superstar in his fading, in his waning years. You know, he's not the player. He's been in the league 16 years. Not the player he was five years ago from what I've seen so far. Maybe I hope he proves me wrong. Well, I, and, I, and I had said it earlier, and I said it a couple of weeks ago. I, I think for, from Chris Drury's perspective, with what did they have left in the season? 20, 21 games at the time they made this move. Um, yeah. Logistically, it made sense for the Rangers on paper uh, because it was something that you didn't think would necessarily happen after they brought Tarasenko on board because they both play the same position. That's so right. Now, you're, now to be able to put Kane on that second line, I think it, it, I know he scored the goal the other night in a, in, a, in a game that the Rangers could not lose to a bad Montreal team. I know. Um, and they did not look good early in that game. No, um, they didn't. But I think, you know, financially, it was a it, it, that's a it, this is a bump in the road that the Rangers absorbed. They knew they were going to have to do it. But my fear for this Ranger team moving forward, Adam Fox, everybody knows he's great. McCola, Harper, Truba, Schneider, there's a lot of tread on those tires. Yeah. Um, and you're coming into the postseason in a couple of weeks. Uh, you're going to need Igor to basically stand on his head if the rest of the team in front of him doesn't wake up because it it just has not – even the win the other night, the shootout win against Montreal, it, it wasn't enjoyable to watch them. I think that was just the no. game where they were able to impose their will on a bad hockey team. But if you play like that against a Jersey or a Boston like they did last week, they're gonna get burned, and it's gonna be ugly. Yeah, and you look at the way they, the way they, where they've played since they got the two new players, Tarasenko and Kane. Uh, you know, this is not ice capades. You can't pirouette <laughs> around the perimeter and take thirty foot slap shots all game long. You gotta. I mean, guys like Kreider gets gets in there. Not too many of them come in front of the net at all. That's yeah. one thing I like Lafreniere, and a lot of Ranger fans don't like him, thinks he's a bust. I kind of like the guy. I think he has guts. I think he puts his nose in there. He needs a little more self-confidence. Cocker, another, Cocker, another one. A lot of talent, but somebody's got to give him a poke in the fanny. You know, get aggressive. Well, look, uh, they it, it's the aggressive nature of this team has been something that many Ranger fans have been harping on, uh, even going back to that uh, – uh, final run against uh, LA a few years back. Um, it's yeah. a, it's a team that's loaded with talent, but uh, approaching this postseason, everything you said and some of our previous callers have said as well, I, I, rain true. There's got to be an element of toughness with this team when they go um, into the postseason, which they are approaching uh, in just a couple weeks' time. But uh, Mike, thank you for the call. Uh, okay, it was my pleasure. It. All right, but we'll talk to you soon, pal. Thank you. Take- um, Look, uh, across the board with, with the blue shirts, it's, it's, it's the truth. All this power that comes in, and it's legitimate hockey. I mean, Kane at 34 years old, he's probably still, the, you know, 
one of the most decorated American players of all time right now, statistically the best of, of the active American players. Um, but that's not going to mean much if this team can't get it together. Uh, uh, heading into what would amount to probably be uh, a first-round postseason bout with the Crosstown New Jersey Devils, who do things exceptionally well on the offensive end uh, of the ice. So, look, this is a 11:49 in our first hour on this week's edition of Sports Today with Peter J. We hammered away at what's going on, the news coming out of uh, Jets camp with Aaron Rodgers potentially being traded from Green Bay to the New York Jets. You know the Giants locked up Daniel Jones, and they've got Barkley back on the franchise tag, working towards an extension there. Carolina acquiring the top pick in, the, in, in this April's NFL draft last night. Uh, that was Friday for those listening live today from the Chicago Bears, who are all in on Justin Fields. So as we trek closer to the chaos that is going to begin with NFL free agency on March 15th. Uh, you can make the argument that the chaos has already started with teams uh, re-upping their own guys, their non-restricted free agents, before they move forward uh, into free agents where they try to uh, improve their team moving forward. Goes without saying, baseball is back, right? On March 11th, we're a couple of weeks away from opening day. And there's a lot to look forward to with this baseball season, right? If you if you look around the league, this and I know the World Baseball Classic is going on the way. You got some guys dropping out, some guys trying to get involved in it uh, as that continues to go. Um, but some of the real interesting battles that are going to take place are not just here locally. Remember, for those of you who might be new to sports today with Peter J, it's a it's a national show with a New York flavor. But if we go around Major League Baseball, Trevor Story. Star shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. No, he had a down year last season, uh, his first in Boston. He's going to be out about four to six months uh, after he underwent repair on his UCL in the right elbow. That That's a big deal. And that's a big deal because that, was, that surgical procedure was an alternative to having Tommy John surgery, which would have just axed act the campaign. Now, Boston's going to have options up the middle. In the infancy of this from what you've seen over the spring it looks like Enrique Hernandez and Christian Arroyo are going to be their guys up the middle but this is a Red Sox team that's had tons of turnover and now you add this element at the shortstop position it becomes part of that right it was story in 94 games last year at 16 home runs that's a down campaign for him and you talk about I, I use the word turnover because Boston is now going down the pipeline which smart, intelligent baseball teams will do. But with pitching, that's been a question mark in Beantown. Now you've got these question marks all over the diamond. Case in point, who's going to hit leadoff in Boston? Alex Verdugo was their leadoff hitter in 2020. He's probably going to get first crack at that, even over Matasaka Yoshida, who's going to make his MLB debut uh, after seven years in Japan, he was the front runner for the role. I don't necessarily know that he is anymore because Boston, as I, I had read, they want to make his transition to the States as smooth as possible. Maybe hitting leadoff in Beantown isn't going to be the best spot for him immediately. So Verdugo, they know can do it. Alex Cora was high on the production that he got from Verdugo. Uh, it's possible. Go over to the South side of Chicago. 
you know, I, I, I think stepping away from just the game of baseball right now and thinking about the human aspect, Boston's got a closer issue because Liam Hendricks, their great closer, took an obviously unnecessary uh, leave of absence because he's undergoing cancer treatment. So you think about it from a human aspect, right? You, your thoughts there and your prayers there are with Liam Hendricks to get healthy. From a baseball perspective, Joe Kelly, Aaron Bummer, Ronaldo Lopez, and I, I, I think the reliable Kendall Graveman are all going to have opportunities to shoulder that load um, for Boston. All right, so you've got these different things going on around the league, and there's more of them. Some of these spring training battles um, are phenomenal. I mean, look at the Mets. Mets are going to have battles at catcher and third base. Brett Beatty, can he really close that gap with this spring alone between himself and Eduardo Escobar, who hammered 20 home runs during a starting campaign at third last year for the Mets? You know, I think this... The opportunity now at third for the Mets is even more so because of the failed acquisition of Carlos Correa, which would have had him at third with Lindor at short. So the battle for third base, I, I, I think, is open. Escobar, probably the leader in the clubhouse, but Beatty, who the fan base loves, which is basically irrelevant, the fan base loves him. But how has he viewed his ownership in the team as a youngster? You got Omar Navarez, the 31-year-old veteran, signed a one-year deal. He's battling Francisco Alvarez, the hotshot catcher, uh, the youngster for the Mets. This kid's got unbelievable power. But is he ready? That's what the spring is for. That's why spring training is so entertaining. You get the Grapefruit League contest. You get the split uh, contest between both teams. Yankees got two games today, as a matter of that. Uh, split squad contest. When you look at this Mets team, you're probably going to look at a lineup that features Nimmo, Marte, Lindor at the top, right? Assuming Marte's right and he's healthy. Alonzo, McNeil. I guess your designated hitcher is Dan, uh, hitter is Daniel Vogelback. Canna, who had a nice season a year ago. And then at third and catcher, what happens there? Probably right now, it's Escobar and Nervaez. That's probably what you're looking at. But these spring battles are open. And they're going to stay open. I mean, there will be opportunity on a team like the Mets, who have really high hopes this season for some of their youngsters to not just come up, and be on the roster, but to be impactful. And I think it's going to be fun to watch as we move forward. Rotation-wise, Verlander and Scherzer at the top. Carrasco. Cody Senga, who signed the $75 million deal or whatever it was in the offseason from Japan. And David Peterson in the mix as well, who I know the organization likes. This is a good Mets team. Edwin Diaz shutting the door down late in games. 
pop all over the lineup. Now, that was the one thing that kind of hindered the Mets last year. So the opportunity or the potential to have Francisco Alvarez as the starting catcher, as far as the fan base is, is considered, is very appetizing because he possesses immense power with someone like Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. That was the one area where the Mets, and Eduardo Escobar had the 20 home runs last year, where they were sort of in the middle to the bottom of the league when it came to power. So we'll see how this all plays out with the Mets. I do eventually think it's going to be Alvarez's job. I do eventually think you'll see more and more of Brett Beatty. I think it's going to be his job eventually. I think that's the plan. How soon that happens, we don't know. But that's why you've got a big eye um, on the spring. As far as the Yankees are concerned, it, re it, it really is amazing to me that as talented as this team is, bottom, that we seem to consistently, going back last year and the year before, and now in the spring, after the last week especially, that everything revolving around the Yankees starts with an injury. You've got latest injuries to Tommy Canely, Carlos Rodon, who was the, the outside of Aaron Judge, the priority acquisition of the offseason, and Lou Trevino, who came over in the Frankie Montas deal, who, oh, by the way, is also hurt. All of these guys who are going to play large, prominent roles on this team are going to start the year on the freaking disabled list for different periods of time. And if that wasn't bad enough, your starting center fielder, Harrison Bader, is pulled. He had to undergo testing after pulling a left oblique, or at least feeling left oblique discomfort from a swing on Wednesday. It is not the first time we've heard something that annoying revolving around a player who happens to play for the New York Yankees, i.e. Aaron Judge. So you've got the injuries with Canely, Rodon, Trevino, two out of the bullpen, one in your rotation. You're down Montas, who said he pitched hurt last year as well. This is not good to be polite for the Yankees a month away from opening day, less than a month away from opening day. Because you thought you looked pretty good there, lineup-wise. I have no, I really have no issues with Glaber Torres. Aaron Judge is a stud. Anthony Rizzo's a stud. Giancarlo Stanton, I, I mean, I, I don't know what more people could possibly want from this guy. When he's on the field, he's productive. He should be playing more outfield. He's a plus defender. And all the crap he's been given never says boo. And he works well on this team. He meshes well on this team. I mean, that's an easy 30-plus home run, 35-plus home run campaign for Stanton. If he can consistently stay in that lineup, which I think he will. Judge is going to smack over 40. Rizzo will probably hit another 25. Torres, if he's the guy, 
for the entire season. More on that in a minute is going to give you 20 plus. Harrison Bader, now that's a question mark. Aaron Hicks, not thrilled that he was already anointed the starting left fielder. Trevino, I like behind the plate. And then you're starting shortstop. In my opinion, should we Oswald Peraza? And you've got that, you talk about battles in spring. You've got that three-man battle with Volpe, Peraza, and Kaina Falefa. I don't have overwhelming issues with Isaiah Kaina Falefa unless you tell me he's going to play every single day. Same with Aaron Hicks. Because Aaron Hicks' contract isn't hindering the Yankees. When they signed that contract, 10 mil over seven years, a $70 million contract for an everyday center fielder, you're getting him on a dime. Then the guy had injuries, then he was healthy, and he just was woeful. Now we learn this year he's going he's to be the starting left fielder. The three-man race for shortstop between Volpe, Peraza, and IKF. Well, what about a third? And this is where I get really, really, really annoyed with Aaron Boone. How you could just come out and say, well, Josh Donaldson's our third baseman. He's going to have a bounce back campaign. What are you basing that on? Just because you like him? I mean, I understand the aspect of having to, to, to run a team or run an organization And you have to approach it, yes, with a sense of humility and respect. But what bothers me with pro sports is some of these athletes don't, they they seem to forget that not only do they work for the team owners, your coach is your boss. So if he says something to you, your ass better do it. And the problem with the Yankees is I'm not overly convinced how afraid a lot of these guys, when they underperform are, are afraid of Aaron Boone. And he's not going to bench me. And he's not going to pull me from the lineup. He's not going to say anything. Not going to say anything in the media. Not that I necessarily disagree with saying anything to the media, because there's a lot of weasels in the media, as it is, who just want to write a storyline or get clicks on Yahoo and Google. But I get that aspect of it. But everything is, is hunky-dory, and it's not. If the Yankees had any semblance of offense last season in the ALCS against the Houston Astros, they're competi- they were competitive in that series because of their pitching. They couldn't hit the baseball. You hit, you got a damn good shot at beating that team. Bullpen was great. Starters were good until game four when they just had nothing left in the tank. Couldn't hit. Not even Judge was hitting. And he doesn't get a free pass. MVP, or captain, I get it. Not getting a free pass there. But Aaron Boone, th- th- this nonsense of baby and these guys has got to stop. To say right out of the gates, when you, when you have a, a, a rising Jason Dominguez, the Martian, who, by the way, folks, if you haven't seen this kid in the spring, you, 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 t- you talk about power. With someone like Francisco Alvarez, Pete Alonzo, Aaron Judge, this kid mashes the baseball. Probably still a year away, maybe September. But my God. Does this kid have a swing? And you're anointing Aaron Hicks, the starting left fielder, over Oswaldo Cabrera, who did nothing but produce when called up last year as an unheralded rookie, and Estevan Florial, who, by the way, I believe is out of options soon. So they could flat out just lose this kid. And then at third base, Donaldson's the guy. Donaldson's going to be our guy. 
I mean, th- this is getting a little much with Aaron Boone and doing this. And the fact that Brian Cashman seemingly just allows it to happen. I know there's money involved. Joe Torre moved Alex freaking Rodriguez to sixth in the lineup in a playoff game. Because you needed to win. You can't just fall head over heels for a guy because of what's on his paycheck. Aaron Boone has a team to manage. He is not the one who acquired these guys or signs their paychecks. If they want this guy to do his job, let him do his job or kick his ass out the door. Because as good as that Yankee pitching is, even with these injuries, with some of the young talent that they have at their disposal, if it's a Clark Schmidt, a Davey Garcia, whoever it might be, a Michael King, nothing is going to be accomplished if you keep repeating the same lunacy. And yes, I'm singling out Aaron Hicks and Josh Donaldson. Because last year, they stunk. And according to the powers that be, namely Aaron Boone, we're stuck with them again. And that's going to be a problem. Unless there is some monster turnaround. And that would be great, because I'm a Yankee fan. You root for the players you have on the team. Doesn't mean you can't be critical of them. Quite honestly, if we had a manager that was a little more critical, a little more vocal, then maybe this team would be more productive offensively. Think about the guys you have on this roster. Torres, Judge, Rigel, Stanton. Donaldson. And you can't hit the baseball? You can't produce runs? You can't manufacture scoring? Now you got all these injuries? And you hope to God that there's not going to be any babying with Peraza and Volpe because Peraza already got a taste of the bigs. He played in the postseason, got a start at short in Houston. Am I excited about the season? Yes. Do I think this is a good team? Yes. Playoffs? Yes. But if they don't get their acts together and start making correct decisions, not just popular decisions, they're going to have a problem. And it starts at third, and it starts in left field with Donaldson and Hicks. I, 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 do, I don't think you could be any more clear cut than that. You can't manufacture runs. And all you do is rely on the long ball. How many times do you have to see it And how many times do you have to realize that when you get to the playoffs, that does not work? That does not work. God forbid you lay one down. God forbid you get somebody from first to second or second to third. Or slap one the other way. Donaldson's swinging out of his shoes last season in Houston. Oh, he's a good defender. Then the defense disappears. Can't have it again. Can't have it again. Yankees get bounced early, Boone's gone, and he knows it. So he better approach this season with a little more veracity. Otherwise, he's going to be looking for another job. And it's either going to be on somebody's bench or he's going to be back on TV. Brunson looking, tries again, gets inside, falling away, shot is good. Brunson, pucks it in, Jalen Brunson with 24. 
Brunson leading the break. Back for Randall. Randall for Hart. Hart kicks it out. Brunson sets. Three-pointer. Puts it in. You know what really stinks? You don't know when you'll hear that again. Everything revolving around this Knicks season has been just flat awesome. And as we sit here right now at 12.09 p.m. on the East Coast of the United States on Saturday, March 11th, the Knicks are fifth in the Eastern Conference, 39-29 and 29 overall, winners in nine out of their last 11. That's pretty good. Now, they have dropped two straight to Charlotte and Sacramento. And, and I'm guilty of this. I hadn't watched too much of the Sacramento team, the Kings. Wow, are they good. Wow, are they good. Right now, second in the Western Conference. This team can play young kids who can shoot and defend. And the Knicks had their hands full with them the other night in the loss. Now, the acquisition of Josh Hart's been great. They've only lost twice since he's come over. Energy, defense, rebounding on both ends of the floor. And that was something the Knicks did well to begin with. They just elevated their rebounding by getting Hart. Okay, that's all well and good. You lose two straight games, wow, whatever. It happens. You're not going to win them all. Ten games above 500. You're out of that nonsense uh, playing tournament at the bottom of the East Coast. Fifth in the in the East. This is great. Ahead of schedule here. And then Jalen Brunson gets hurt. And he's out two games, injuring his left foot. Okay. Go to Boston. Win in double overtime. Emmanuel quickly sets the world on fire. 38 points, 8 boards, 7 assists, and only 1 turnover last Sunday in Boston. Well, maybe we'll get Brunson back after the Charlotte game. Knicks kind of disappear late, lose to a bad Charlotte team. Whatever, you cough that away. It's going to happen. Now you get to the Sacramento game earlier in the week. Brunson's back, scores 19 points on 6 of 12 shooting in the first half. Doesn't take the floor in the second half. And here's why that's scary. It's bad enough that it was a left foot injury. That he had to sit for two games. You find out that it was the same left foot that kept him out of the second half against Sacramento. Folks, that's a re-injury. That's the worst type of injury you could have. Because there's no immediately telling to how severe it is or how much worse it got until you get that analyzed either by team doctors and trainers or at the hospital. Re-injuries are terrifying because what's going to happen? The foot, you're back off a two-game absence as a pure point guard, bracing off that left foot that was banged up to begin with, and you re-injure it before it's 100%. Conventional wisdom tells you it's going to get worse. But as good as Jalen Brunson was, even not at 100%, he still had 19 points on 6 of 12 shooting in that first half. This is one of those situations where, yeah, you feel like a New York Jet fan. Every time something goes well, the crap hits the fan. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Knicks. But they're going to need Jalen Brunson to be serious contenders come postseason time, because they are going to the playoffs. And here's the thing. As much as many like Emmanuel quickly, the up-and-down play scares you. 21 points in 22 minutes 
a couple of weeks ago against Miami. That's great. The 38, 8, and 7, and 1 turnover in the win against on the road in Boston. Back-to-back games, 1 of 11 in Sacramento. That included 1 of 8 from 3. The game before that, 5 of 16, 3 of 10 from beyond the arc in the loss to Charlotte. So the Jekyll and Hyde scares you. But what's even more than that for me is I know statistically Julius Randle's having a great season, averaging a double-double, 24 and 10. That's great. Julius Randle scares the living crap out of me if he's going to be the lead dog late in the game. Go back to the game against Miami a couple Fridays ago. He hit the great shot, falling away in the corner. But what did he do possessions before that? Horrendous passing, horrendous turnovers. Same deal in the game in Charlotte. We've seen it over and over again. As the lead guy, the decision-making and the ability on Randall is not good at all. You know, with the healthy Brunson, you make the argument there, I'm, I'm buying what the Knicks is selling. defensively. The consistently was there. You had the legitimate point guard play with Brunson, and then the acquisition of Hart to bring him over. Mitchell Robinson getting healthy. R.J. Barrett drives you nuts. I know he had 25 the other night uh, in the loss against Sacramento, but he drives you crazy, especially when he gets to the to the basket. His percentages around the rim are disgusting. But the fear that I have now without Brunson is the Knicks late in games are probably going to rely on, on Barrett and Randall. Julius Randall as the go-to guy late in the game? No, I do not feel confident at all. I don't. And I know he statistically he's having a nice season. He's lit it up. Iso ball late in the game there? No. You saw that against Miami. He happened to hit an unbelievably difficult contested shot to win that game. But look at the plays before that. Could have easily been the reason the Knicks lost that game. So you have to be a little bit more realistic with the approach you take. And just keep your fingers crossed that Brunson, even if you got to sit him a week or two, It's not the end of the world to get him right for when you need him, late in the season and into the playoffs. The Knicks finally have their pure point guard, and this happens. And now for those who are listening live today, the Knicks got a a, a game at 4 o'clock on the East against the Clippers, and then the Lakers Sunday. Second and third games in their four-game West Coast swing. Already started with a loss uh, to Sacramento. So hopefully there's a guy that can be leaned upon in those waning seconds if they need it. And we'll see. I like this Knicks team. I really do. Finger, you know, you, you say the fingers crossed with Brunson coming back. Robinson's staying healthy too because he's a difference maker. Good support from Hartenstein. McBride. Quentin Grimes, this talent on this team, obviously quickly. The up and down stuff scares you a little bit. But you don't go into Boston 
and drop 38 in double overtime on the road if you're not legit. And I'm a big Emmanuel Quickly guy. That's why the Knicks didn't move on from him. Around the league, I mean, Milwaukee, 48 and 18. 19 out of the last 20 games they won. Giannis is just, he's hes unbelievable. The stellar camp, 32 points, 12 boards, over five assists a game. Guy's unbelievable. The last loss in the 20 games was a three-point loss, 133-130 um, to Philly. So this team is, is just on a path to a title. Boston in the East, 46 and 21. And the top teams in the league, so if you look in the East right now, you, Milwaukee's the class of the East. Boston's right there. You go out West. Denver's got a six-game pad um, over Memphis and Sacramento. Those teams play extremely well at home. Milwaukee, 28 and 6. Boston, 26 and 9. Denver, 30 and 5. Memphis, 27 and 5. They're just a putrid road team at 12 and 21. So you play like this at home come postseason time, that bodes well for your chances. This Denver team, Jokic is unbelievable. 25, 11, and 10 this year. You got Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., uh, the likes of those guys providing unbelievable support. Denver's legit. Boston with Tatum, Brown, Smart, White. I love Malcolm Brogdon. Mike Muscala's having a nice season. I mean, the, the playoffs are set up. Then you can add teams like the Knicks, Philly, Cleveland. Sacramento can be chaotic in the West. And you can't th- discount the Nets either. And by the way, Phoenix, with the addition of KD, as crazy as he might be, they're legitimate as well. But Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, that's a nice combo. So I think what we're looking at is going to be a fun NBA season. Because a lot of these teams that are the, the legit contenders are going to be really geared up uh, come postseason time. And I think with some of the changes we've seen, you know, if, if you say Boston, Milwaukee, Denver, I don't think you can dismiss a team like Sacramento and Phoenix with Booker, Paul, and Kevin Durant. And I think it's going to be great. I mean, the, the perfect storm that comes now with this time of the year, with the NFL free agency, college hoops, baseball starting, basketball and hockey postseason all happening at once. I mean, there's legitimate sports entertainment on every night. From a Knicks perspective, fingers crossed that Jalen Brunson is able to get right. That's a great sound, isn't it? You know what that means. Selection Sunday, less than 24 hours away. I mean, this is the best time of the year if you're a college hoops diehard. And it's going to be an interesting selection come Sunday when this crew gets together. You got the conference championships 
coming to an end Saturday and Sunday. Everything culminates with the Big Ten title game. And I think the ACC title game between what a story Duke's been in the first year without Coach K. John Shire taking Duke up against Tony Bennett and Virginia. That game will be tonight. Locally, Iona's going to play Marist in the MAC championship. You know, win for Iona. You're looking at probably a legitimate 13 seed. Which is remarkable. 26-7 and seven this year. Rick Patino now a hot commodity amongst some of the openings across college basketball. Texas Tech is a location that stands out. Georgetown, if they move on from Ewing and his buyout. Uh, St. John's has been put in that mix as well. So, I mean, Patino loves his spot where he is at Iona. And where he moves is going to be at top of mind. But if Iona's able to get it done against the upstart Maris team, which I think they will, we'll see where he goes. It's a matter of when, not if, Rick Patino moves on. He's going to bring that name and the rec- recruiting acumen. Look, there's a lot of baggage that comes with this guy. There's a lot of scandal that comes with him. From a basketball perspective, He's one of the best. Jim Beheim retiring after 47 seasons, kind of unceremoniously. And it's it's really been because he was just a pompous jerk this entire year that I think he rubbed a lot of people. It's like, just get out. Enough now. Coach K goes to his defense uh, earlier in the week. Uh, there will be something done where uh, the college basketball world is able to celebrate Beheim and his 47 seasons at the helm of Syracuse basketball. But there were moments where we don't have to be shy about it. The Bernie Fine and uh, incidences there and accusations around uh, molestation with his assistant coach. Um, Going back a few years that I know rubbed people the wrong way, similar to what happened with Penn State um, many years ago with the, the Sandusky stuff, and then how you've seen Beheim berate reporters, berated a student reporter at one point, which is just uh, unfathomable to me that you could do that at the status that you have in college basketball. A, a student reporter from the university that you coach at, you're berating? No, it doesn't work for me. Not the classiest of guys. Uh, speaking of class, Mike Bray moving on from Notre Dame after 23 years at the program. We know that he's going to be intimately involved in the direction of the program moving forward. You want to ask me who I want coaching this team moving forward. It is simple. His name is Pat Kelsey, and he just got a contract extension uh, at Charleston. Go get him. They're going to talk to John Beeline. You got to pick up the phone and make that phone call. Uh, Patino's never going to happen. I forget it. But if you're asking me, um, Pat Kelsey, is the guy that I, I that I would really uh, task with taking over for Mike Bray. Young, energetic, can recruit, um, and I, I think that's what uh, Notre Dame needs um, uh, coming out of a season that was just painful and and tough to watch on so many levels. Porter Moser over at Oklahoma, um, you know, I know he's, he's he's got ties to the Midwest. He's very religious. Uh, a lot of that makes sense, but for me, uh, it, it would be Pat Kelsey. But you take a look at the landscape of college basketball as we gear up 
for the tournament as these conference tournaments come to a close. Many of them already have. From my perspective, the, the five best teams I've seen this year, and I don't really think I'm going out on a limb here. Alabama's been ridiculous. Um, Brandon Miller, outside of the noise surrounding him, he's a legitimate candidate for player of the year. Uh, uh, near double-double, 19 points, nine boards. Mark Sears um, has been a good distributor, plays on both ends of the floor. This Alabama team and Nate Oates, they, they've done such a good job from top to bottom um, that they've been a, a joy to watch. They're a legitimate Final Four good. As is Houston. They're probably still my favorite team in the country to watch on a regular basis. I've probably seen 10 of their games. They're a legitimate national title contender. There's no doubt about it. Marcus Sasser is my favorite player in the year, uh, uh, in the country. Uh, 16 points, three boards, three assists, and, a, and two steals. Uh, this is a team that for most of the season has had five guys averaging in double figures at or near, which is ridiculous, led by Sasser. Um, they've just been a complete package. They can win cl- uh, tight games late. Uh, which is the recipe that you're going to need when you get into the tournament, the field of 68. I know the Purdue team has been teetering lately, but they seem to have gotten back on solid footing. Zach Eady, 22-13-2 this year. You talk about player of the year candidates. He's definitely won. Purdue right now is somewhere. If they're able to win the conference tournament, maybe they bump bump to the one line, but they're probably sitting on that two line. Same could be said with UCLA. Jamie Jock has junior Jalen Clark and Tiger Campbell. Uh, this is as athletic a UCLA team as you'll see, um, or really just a team with the athleticism that they have uh, amongst the best in the country. Uh, if you haven't seen this kid at Dembona from Nigeria, uh, 6'10", freshman, this is the type of inside presence that many teams in the country just don't have. And he's been, he's, he adds to the athleticism uh, of this unit, which has really been remarkable. Um, but I, Jamie Jacquez Jr. has been great, and I really like what Clark and Campbell um, bring to this UCLA team. Uh, rounding out my personal top five is Arizona. You've got five guys averaging in doubles for a team. They've beaten a really good San Diego State team, taken down Indiana, Creighton, Tennessee, UCLA, and USC this year. Azolas Tubelis is a 6'11 junior from Lithuania, 20-10 and 10 this year. This is an Arizona team that's, I think, now sixth in the in in the country in scoring at 83 points a game, and they can get up and down the floor. I mean, you talk about these five teams, legitimate, legitimate national title uh, contenders. Then there's a group of teams that can't be dismissed. You can't ever count out Virginia as long as Tony Bennett's uh, coaching them. They're going to have a, a crack at winning the ACC championship tonight at 8.30 uh, on the East when they play Duke. Duke is another team that's uh, hot at the right time in John Shire's uh, first season since taking over for Coach K. I like this Creighton team because of what they're able to offer in that starting rotation. You've got five guys that can light it up at any time. I know they ran hot and cold, but getting it together late, taking down good teams. Arkansas playing well lately. Providence. uh, Xavier. Seton Hall, when they were well, beat them twice. And UConn, by the way, anybody watched that UConn-Marquette game last night? Unbelievable. Marquette going into the uh, Final Four of the Big East uh, for the first time ever. Uh, so that was a big win for Shaka Smart uh, over Danny Hurley and company at UConn. That was a great – I watched most of that game. That was quintessential Big East basketball last night. Um, 
And I know this Indiana team rubs people the wrong way because of the inconsistencies they have defensively. But nobody's a bigger Mike Woodson fan than I am. Trace Jackson Davis can take over a game. Um, and this Indiana team, they just have the makeup to be dangerous come tournament time. I'm also big on the bandwagons of Kansas State. I know they went down the other night. And Rutgers, same there. Rutgers had a great season last year, lost in two overtimes to Notre Dame in the playing round of the NCAA tournament. Rutgers wins that game. They might they might have been more equipped than ND to go on a run. So the field of 68 is going to have your Charleston's an automatic qualifier in Pat with Pat Kelsey, who I just mentioned, saying I want I want him to be the guy to take over from Mike Bray. I mean, you throw in a, an Iona, maybe a Utah State backdoors its way into the tournament. North Carolina, the preseason number one, you'd have to think is gone. I Pittsburgh is teetering as well. I I, I don't know how you could justify putting North Carolina in the tournament the way they played down the stretch. Um, but I think this is going to be, um, no tournament is ever bad. But outside of my personal top five here, you know, there are, if it's a Duke, a Miami, uh, Clemson had a good run this year. We'll see what happens with them all out of the ACC. Maybe it's a Creighton, a Marquette, a Texas. I mean, there's so many legitimate teams. Tennessee not playing great late, but I don't know that you can totally dismiss them. And I really like this Missouri team. So there's so many teams that could just take a legitimate run and a crack at this outside of the five I gave you. Now, you would expect Houston and Alabama have basically been the best two teams all year. I'd be shocked if they didn't make it to the second weekend. But outside of that, there's plenty of teams that are going to be able to make some noise uh, in this tournament. And it's going to be damn fun to watch uh, as we continue uh, into it when Selection Sunday. Again, for those listening live, it's tomorrow, March 12th. Um, we will know who's in and who's not uh, ahead of the, the uh, start of the 2023 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. And what is great about that is, in addition to that, you get all the um, coaching changes. The coaching carousel is going to continue to go on. So we'll see uh, what happens at the likes of, uh, for example, Notre Dame um, once the season concludes. And it, it, it should make for some really, really good um, storylines. postponement yesterday they resumed their um second round today adam svensson the canadian on top they'll tee off uh later today in, uh, actually just a couple minutes out on the east coast scotty scheffler two back i mean this guy j can just linger and then all of a sudden boom he's right there uh, amongst the best players in the world maybe the overall best player in the world scotty scheffler david ligbert the veteran uh, at minus six, and Ben Griffin at minus six with Min Woo Lee. Currently, right now, your top five out there uh, in Sawgrass as they push their way toward um, round three. And you know what makes me laugh? Live golf is, is just a complete disaster. And, and 
I keep reading about it. People keep trying to sell it. You had the poor opening TV coverage. Uh, the, the condensed graphics were terrible. Uh, David Faraday's not nearly a big enough draw to get me to sit there and watch this. And there was no flair from the host. By the way, if, if you've watched any of these events, one of the most pointless things I think I've ever seen in sports is having a professional golf league begin a tournament in a shotgun format. How are you... Number one, you only play 54 holes. How are you going to create any semblance of drama or flair on your 54th hole instead of 72nd hole like they do on the PGA Tour if everybody's on a different hole? How do you follow that? Not to mention, outside of the big guns, it's a depleted field. Some of these guys I never heard of. And when you add in the fact that they barely broke even a year ago, it's just not going well. Now, the caveat to that will be this. Live golfers can play in majors. And, it, and with some of the, the real swipes, the likes of Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, I don't disagree with them. If a live player, let's say, I mean, it wouldn't be Mickelson. This was a cash grab for him, plain and simple. And Kepka has been playing well. But if a live golfer came in and, and, and won at Augusta or the U.S. Open or, or, the, or the Open or the PGA, that, that would be a pretty big embarrassment for the PGA Tour, uh, in my opinion. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Could it be somebody like a Paul Casey? Maybe. Kepka's not playing well, but he can't be dismissed guys go back from 54 to 72 holes uh unlikely but not impossible but i think it would be a bad look for the pga tour if that did in fact um happen but as far as this weekend got my eyes on sawgrass undoubtedly and then selection sunday i'll be watching these conference tournaments i can't wait to watch the duke uva uh acc final tonight i'll be tracking with the mac final marist and iona it's going to be fun. Then you get the Big Ten final tomorrow. Uh, we'll see who's in that at the end of uh, today as well. Well, it's a big show today. Uh, I greatly appreciate all the callers uh, chiming in. We got NFL free agency. We got the hockey in there. Everything going on uh, locally and then with the NBA uh, and spring training as well. Uh, it's going to be great. And this is a perfect time to be a sports fan. And I'll definitely have you covered uh, as we continue to move forward. Uh, right here every Saturday, 11 a.m. on the East, live on the Podbean app, Sports Today with Peter J. You can also track us and follow us on Samsung, iHeart, Odyssey, and the Biggie, Spotify. Great show today, everybody. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you same time, same place next Saturday, right here on Sports Today with Peter J. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sports Today with Peter J.